Hello and welcome to episode three of our new podcast series, ISM 2019 Trends and Topics. Now, I like to think of every week's episode as exciting, but this one is really something special. What you're about to hear is the first part of a conversation between myself and Jan Griffiths. Jan's a veteran of the automotive procurement world, the president and founder of Gravitas Detroit, and she'll serve as the moderator for ISM 2019's Exec In Forum. How did Jan make the journey from indirect buyer to executive coach? You'll have to listen to find out. Enjoy. Hey, welcome back to the Source One Podcast. Today I'm here with Jan Griffiths, the founder and president of Gravitas Detroit. She'll be joining us in Exec In this April as the moderator. Jan, how's it going today? It's a wonderful day in Detroit City, and it's a pleasure to be here, Bennett. I'm happy to hear it. So, Jan, I wanted to jump right into it. Before starting in your current position with Gravitas Detroit, you spent a number of years in the automotive procurement sector, and I'm wondering what inspired you from all the way over in Wales to pursue a job in the automotive procurement world here in Motor City? Well, I would like to tell you that there was a very specific reason or a certain sequence of events that took me into the automotive, but Bennett, the hard reality is simply that I needed a job and I needed some money. And I ended up <laughs> and I ended up in an automotive manufacturing plant. I was the Borg Warner transmission plant in South Wales. And when I walked onto the shop floor, I didn't know what to expect. I had never been on a manufacturing uh, shop floor before. And it was the, the energy on the shop floor. It was the smell, believe it or not, of the coolants and the oils and the, the whole vibe of manufacturing. I fell in love with it the second that I hit that floor. And it, that spawned a 30-year career. And were there any leaders throughout that time in automotive that were particularly inspiring to you? Obviously, now you're an, you're an advocate for a certain type of leadership. I'm wondering if there was ever a, a great example in that time. Yes, most definitely. The first boss that I had at Borg Warner is a gentleman by the name of Paul Humphreys. He's now group president with Flextronics in the U.S. He was the first exposure I had to a truly great leader. He gave me a lot of confidence to do things that I had never done before. And let me give you an example. I worked for Paul both in Wales and in the Borg Warner plant in Sterling Heights, Michigan. And as an indirect buyer with not a lot of experience behind me, he thought that it would be a good idea for me to understand what a tool crib would be like to actually work in the tool crib. So to know what it was like to buy MRO from the user perspective. But then he added another little twist. He said, and I want you to do that on third shift. Now, all of us in manufacturing out there who have worked on third shift understand that that's a very, very different environment. And one that I, quite frankly, was not prepared to take on. But it was his trust and confidence in me that allowed me to push through any fear or concern that I had to gain that experience and then build upon that and go to the next one and the next one and the next one. So obviously you've taken your career in another direction in the last few years. Uh, I'm wondering what compelled you to make the change and start Gravitas Detroit. You mentioned falling in love with manufacturing. Was there an experience of, of falling out of love? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. No, I am still very much in love with manufacturing. The reason for the change, I'm asked this question a, a lot. I had worked throughout my career. I had aspired to 
my last position as CPO and VP of global supply chain for a major tier one supplier. And it was a, a great career. Everything was going well. I restructured a team globally. Um, everything was going in the right direction. But as I looked into the future and I saw a point of retirement, and quite frankly, I don't know that I will ever officially retire, I started to think about what really mattered to me and what did I really, truly love to do um, in my professional uh, life. And it's simply this. I love to help people become better leaders. And as I look back on my career, I have seen evidence of that from job to job and company to company. But now it's it's simply all that I want to do. It is to help people become better leaders. In the day and age that we're in right now, never before has there been a time where the more collaborative, heartfelt leadership model is required, not only in this industry, but in all industries, quite frankly. So you speak about a, a heartfelt kind of a leadership. I imagine that's how you, you define the right kind of leadership. How would you characterize a more ineffective leader? What, what would define their uh, approach? We often see leaders that have the need to control, and it's a fear-based situation. And there's this fear that if they do not control and manage, you know, two words that, that are like nails on a chalkboard to me, then they themselves are not being a good leader. And that, I believe, is perpetuated by decades of a certain leadership model and a certain leadership behavior. We all emulate the leader that we see in front of us. So when you have a leader that has this, this need to control and, and it, it often ends up in micromanagement, then you'll see all the team members then emulating and adopting that leadership model. I'd imagine it's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle too. Would you agree that these leaders who thrive on inspiring fear do so because they themselves are fearful about being perceived as weak or about failing in some way? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's driven from the top. It starts with the CEO and the tone at the top. It, it is the tone of leadership and it is the behavior that that CEO either displays in himself or accepts. And it's like the behavior that we see with our kids. If we see a behavior that's not in line with our values, if we simply ignore it, then that's acceptance. How does this sort of behavior tend to affect the leader's team? What sort of culture tends to arise when a leader operates in this way? When a leader operates in this way, the, the trust is, is eroded. Um, and, and trust, you know, let's not forget, right? Trust is very difficult to define. It's a sense that somebody has your back, that you're going to be safe. And we're wired that way as human beings. We want to feel safe. So it's really important that the leader creates that safe environment. Without it, then we're not going to trust each other. And we're not going to step out there, Bennett, and make that decision or take that risk to move the business forward. I was struck so much by something you said the first time we spoke that innovation is effectively it's trying and failing. And once you've instilled in your team a fear of failing, you may as well be telling them, I don't want any innovation. I don't want any changes to how we do things. You might as well be putting like a moratorium on progress, honestly. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Innovation is about trying because if it was an idea that was already out there, then it wouldn't be innovation. You have to try and try and fail. And all the great leaders that are out there that have failed, there's so many examples out there. Yet it seems that the need to control in many leadership models is more important than this ability to create a safe environment to really inspire and nurture and drive innovation. And that's it for part one of my conversation with Jan Griffiths. Be sure to tune in next week to learn more about how procurement leaders can ensure their teams feel safe, secure, and successful. See you in Houston.